Praise God. I want to uh, I want to go into the subject today. Uh, we're gonna. By the way, I, I I keep the Lord keeps just giving me more and more about end times. I'm gonna keep doing it. Um, we, you know, uh, on a weekly basis, we may have 25 people watch on YouTube. The, lar- the number's much larger on Facebook. But I believe it was last week we were 75, about triple of our viewing audience uh, on demand. They're not really watching live. They're normally on demand during the week. But this is a, this is a subject people want to know about. And uh, as I keep diving into this, I keep getting more and more and more. So I'm going to keep going uh, with this for some time. But the title today is, Who Will Go in the Rapture? Does anybody want to know that? Amen. Well, if you will uh, stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word. And before I go into the reading of God's Word, wasn't it great to have Lindsay? I don't know where Lindsay went. Where He's around here somewhere. He joined us singing and leading us in worship today. And I praise God for him being with us today. We're so honored he was here. He must be, uh, he'll be back in here in a minute. But um, anyways, who will go in the rapture? Poke your neighbor and say, who will go in the rapture? Yeah. And if you're here, and just look at him and say, me. <laughs> yeah. Amen. We all want to go. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1 through 13. And, uh, and we'll dive right in. It's on the screens behind me. If you're watching online, we welcome you. And thank you for being with us. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the, the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. And those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Let's let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for uh, the healing virtue of Jesus in the house, the saving grace of Jesus in the house. And we ask you now to speak to us through your word. Fathers, you've given to me, God, I pray in Jesus' name you speak to your people, God. God, I come today, God, hoping to inform And teach your word so that we'll know who's going to the rapture. God, we want to be rapture ready. So I thank you for this opportunity to speak forth your word. Let not one word of my own come out of my mouth. But every word from the throne of God into our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles up and let's boldly declare. Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word. And not a hearer only. Deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five somebody as you're being seated if you're comfortable and say, are you going in the rapture? Amen. I heard one yes. Everybody say. Yeah. Yeah. 
At the famous Drottingsholm Theater in Stockholm, people would stand in line for hours to get in. Night after night, the theater was jam-packed, filled to capacity for operas, ballets, and so forth, except for two seats right in the front, velvet thrones for none other than the king and queen of Sweden. Now, they never knew when they were going to stop by, but they always had seats for them on any night they decided to come in and enjoy the show. And I want to tell you something, just as they were ready for their king and queen, we need to be ready for our King Jesus, because he's coming soon. Everybody just shout, he's coming soon. We are living in the closing days of the age of grace. I believe that with all my heart and soul. And this message is an urgent one. It's one we should be telling everyone we know, Jesus is coming soon. I really believe that. We should live in daily anticipation in his return. Now, here's what I've learned in my walk with God. Your belief dictates your behavior. Your beliefs dictate your actions. If we say we believe Jesus is coming soon, then we'll live like it. If we say we believe Jesus is coming soon, but we don't live like it, we don't believe in reality. We might believe in theory that it might happen, but we don't really believe because our beliefs always change our actions and always change our behaviors. Can I get a good amen for that? Now, a couple of weeks ago, just in recap, we talked about the chronological listing of the events surrounding the rapture in 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 18. Very quickly on the screen, you'll see them. The return for the Lord himself shall descend. The resurrection and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The rapture, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. The reunion to meet the Lord in the air. And the reassurance comfort one another with these words. That is the rapture in a nutshell of what is getting ready to happen in this world. Jesus is coming for the saved. He is coming for a bride. He is coming for the church that's twice born and blood bought. Saying somebody say amen. I said he's coming back for a bride, not a girlfriend. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. For years, some have used prophetic scriptures to paint a very negative uh, 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 attitude and picture for the last day church. It is to the sum that they paint a picture and the opinion that the church will barely survive in the last days. Others see the church of Jesus Christ as maimed and crippled in some old books of philosophy that no longer matter. Other critics see the church as a tired old man whose usefulness is far spent and whose heart will stop beating at any moment. But I contend that while there are people in America, at least, that uh, are lukewarm at the very best and ice cold at worst, that enter the doors of the church to ease their conscience and really have no passion or desire to follow Christ. They come to church because maybe they were brought up as a child and that's the thing they do. But there's no active lifestyle with Jesus Christ on a daily basis. Well, I will agree to that. I will also tell you that the church at large in the world is red hot on fire for Jesus Christ. I just saw an, uh, a report last night that a precious missionary family, mother, father, kids, then none of them would deny Christ and the Taliban just cut them up and killed them. That's the kind of thing happened in Afghanistan and I'll be honest with you when I read that it makes me feel guilty because I'm sitting in my nice home drinking anything I want out of my refrigerator eating whatever food I want 
doing what I want to do, coming to a church like this with no persecution while my brothers and sisters are giving their life for Christ. I want to tell you that maybe in America there's some lukewarmness, but around the world, folks, it's a vivid, it's a powerful, and it's a strong church. Somebody say amen. I agree that there are those less passionate, but I also tell you that the vast majority is filled with the presence of God and they're on fire. Somebody shout amen. The real church of Jesus Christ in the last days will not be maimed and, and lily-limped and whatever. Uh-uh. They're going to be militant. They're going to be victorious. They're going to be a vibrant movement. And we're seeing that in other countries. In Iran, 50% of the nation now saved, mostly among the young people. I contend that we are still a powerful and a fruitful church for Jesus Christ, and we can be. Somebody say amen. Even in America, we can see revival again. Even in the world, we can continue to see revival again. We're not not limping into heaven on our last two toes. We are going in strong and on fire. I believe that, or at least that's what I'm going to do. Does anybody want to join me in that? The story of the virgins in Matthew 25 is a reflection of what the condition of the raptured church will be. So what will the raptured church be like? Well, point number one is this. The raptured church will be pure. Everybody say it will be pure. The virgins in this text speak of the purity of the church. And make no mistake about it, folks. Sin cannot enter the kingdom of God. A practicing sinful person will not be taken in the rapture. Let me say that again. A person that is willfully practicing a lifestyle of sin will not go in the rapture. Well, the Bible says in 1 John 3, 3. Is it all right if I preach the word of God here today? Do we want the word, the whole counsel of God? 1 John 3, 3. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, the second coming of the Lord, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. A sinning person, someone who practices a lifestyle of sin, has lost hope in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says if we really believe in the rapture, then we're going to purify our lifestyle and we're going to live pure and live like he's coming. Do you believe that? Someone anticipating the return of Jesus Christ will live like it. I have a question for you today. Are you living your life like he could come back today? See, someone looking for the rapture will not indulge in sexual sins. They will not watch things on the internet, Hulu, Netflix, HBO, and other apps that are contrary to the Bible. People that are looking for the rapture and the second coming of the Lord will not maliciously slander another person. People that are are looking for the rapture will not indulge in drunkenness and wild parties. Rather, someone looking for the rapture will find their way to church on a regular basis. See, the people that tell me they're looking for the rapture and they love Jesus, but they show up to church one out of eight Sundays, I want to tell you, the behaviors are not lining up with the beliefs. Is it all right to just preach today? Can I preach the word of God today? I don't know how to read y'all today because y'all just looking at me like I'm preaching the Koran. Folks, this is the Bible, amen? There is a command in the Bible and it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. 
as some have done. God still wants us in the house of God because there is something called the laying on of hands. There is something about serving. There is something about giving and being part of a body. I don't want to get sidetracked here, but I want to tell you we need each other in the house of God. Amen. Someone looking for the rapture will read God's word daily. They will find a vibrant prayer life and they will have passionate worship. And they will come in on Sundays with a fire in their bosom. And they'll worship with all their heart, mind, and soul. And they won't have to be rah-rah, shish-kumbah into singing a song. Someone say amen. 2 Corinthians 6, 17, therefore come out from them. And be separate, says the Lord, touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. The raptured church will not compromise holiness or the integrity to be Christ-like. We are called to be like Jesus. And if Jesus is inside of us, we will begin to align our lives to walk like him. Someone say amen. Leviticus eleven forty four. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy for I am holy. The problem that we have in the church today is we're waiting for God to strike us with a lightning bolt to make us consecrated and holy. He said, you consecrate yourself. We're praying for God to get the sin out. And God's saying, I've already given you the grace to get it out. You get it out yourself. Now that doesn't mean the blood, we can't, don't need the blood of Jesus. We have to have the blood of Jesus to wash our sins. But the grace of God empowers us to where we no longer have to sin. Woo! Hebrews 12, 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness. Everybody say, and holiness. Do you know what the word pursue means there? It means that you run after it with everything you've got. Pursue like a dog after a steak. There's an old saying down in Georgia, make a bulldog break a chain. That means the meal was good. Amen? Make a bulldog break a chain. God is saying like a bulldog will break a chain after a nice steak or a good meal. You pursue peace with all people and holiness. Everybody say holiness. Without which no one will see the Lord. This is a call from God to a church today to repent of all sin and return to Him in holiness. A sinning people will be left behind at His coming. I had a beautiful river birch tree right outside my kitchen window. And, uh, and it died. It didn't die because of a storm. It didn't die because of uh, uh, lack of water. There was some big drought. It didn't die because of high winds. It, lightning didn't strike it. No, we just noticed that there was no leaves and it was looking pitiful. So I called an arborist. He came out and he said, oh man, your tree is just inundated with boars. I said, well, what's a boar? Basically, it's a fungus that starts at the, ba- the roots in the base and works its way up and kills the tree. And he said, there's no hope for it. It's gone. The disease has gone too far. It got destroyed from the base up. And you know what? That's the way sin is in our lives. It destroys us from the base up. And the sad reality was we didn't know the tree was being destroyed until we saw that it had no leaves, the external fruit of it. And we may think we're getting away with sin. We may think we're getting away with one because we can come to church and raise our hands and sing our songs and go home and say a little prayer and think everything's good and go back to our sinful ways. But what we don't understand is until it's too late, we will not realize sin is destroying people's lives. Psalm 24, 3-4 says this, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? 
The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust an idol or swear by a false god. So I have some questions for us today. Are you being desensitized by the present evil world? Does it break your heart what's going on in Afghanistan with people, innocent people? Did it break your heart to turn on a video and see the people of Afghanistan so terrified that they're willing to climb on an airplane and fall to their death at hundreds of feet rather than the Taliban getting a hold of them? Does it break your heart to see our brothers and sisters suffer for the name of God? Does it break your heart to see where we're at as a nation? Do things that once shocked you now pass you by with little notice? Have your sexual ethics slackened? Where do your minds wander when you have no duties to perform? What are you reading? Are there books and magazines and files in your libraries that you keep tucked away because you don't want anybody else to know you got it in your library? Do you save those dirty little videos on a separate hard drive so your loved one can't see it on your computer? What are you watching on YouTube, Hulu, Amazon Prime, or Peacock? How much provocative material did you watch last week? Conversely, how many chapters in the Bible did you read this week? How much time did you spend in prayer? Pastor, this is a, this is a sermon on how to kill a service. <laughs> Pastor, things were going good till you got here. How many want to be rapture ready? Amen. Would you rather hear the truth now or hear the trumpet sound and be left behind and say, why didn't somebody tell me? See, because the rapture church is going to be pure. And secondly, it leads to the rapture church will be prepared. Everybody say prepared. Matthew 25 reveals that the five of the virgins prepared for the unknown arrival of the groom by having ample supply of oil on hand for their, for their lamps. Now, you have to understand in Jewish, ancient Jewish history, when a groom, a bridegroom, had finished the home, he had already been betrothed to his bride, he would go leave his home, he would go to the bride's home, he would gather her, they would then walk back to his house, always usually after dark, for some reason, I'm not sure why. And the wedding was always, ancient Jewish history was usually always at the groom's house and the wedding festivities and all that. So he would go back, he would get her, he would take her to the wedding and so forth. Now the people that were attending the wedding, that were invited, would follow along the bride and the groom with lamps or torches in their hands, signifying they were part of the wedding party, and they were going to celebrate with this groom and this bride. Now, if you think things are a little too lack of privacy here, in those days, everybody in the wedding night would wait for the groom to take his bride into, many times, his mother's tent, and consummate the marriage, and then come out with a cloth showing that she was a virgin, by the blood on it, wave it, and then everybody would applaud and they would not have to stone her to death or her parents. And that's how that worked. There was no divisible difference between the virgins. I want you to catch this very clearly. Some of you are looking at Mally, what did he just say? Oh my gosh. 
Hey, the world's talking about it. We need to preach the Bible. Amen? All ten virgins had lamps. All ten virgins were called to the marriage feast. All ten virgins slumbered, which means they napped, they nodded off. All ten virgins slept, which means they went to sleep like the natural sleep at the night. Evidently, all ten virgins left home with enough oil to burn for a little while. But the lack of preparedness, listen to this very closely. Everything on the outside and externally looked exactly like it should be. And the only way you could tell a difference between the five wise and the five foolish was when the groom showed up. Because when the groom showed up, it showed what they had done to prepare internally and not just have the outward look of something. I'm going to go on. It was the delay of the groom that became the fatal issue. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 24, 42, watch because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. Matthew 24, 44. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. See, it's one thing to have enough oil to initially burn for a while. It's a whole other thing to have enough oil to burn and last and so that you're prepared for the coming and the feeding of the lamp and the coming of the Lord. Jesus said, he that endures to the end, the same shall be what? Saved. See, we need fresh grace from the Lord every day. We need a fresh infilling of His Spirit every day. We need fresh word every day. We need a fresh infusion of His grace every day. Would you say amen if you agree with that? So take a look at this next scripture, if you will. In Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13, it'll be on the overhead. It says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. So, will God withhold from you? No. Seek and you will find. Does He play peekaboo and then never show up? No. Knock and it will be open to you. Do you knock and beat on the door and he never answers? No. He says, for everyone who asks, what? Receives. He who seeks? He who knocks? Okay. If a son asks for bread from any father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, on the surface, it looks like he's just saying, hey, God will give you the Holy Spirit. And yes, he is doing that. But there's something even deeper here. When you go back in the ancient days, they didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have a way to keep things fresh. So guess what? If you wanted fresh bread, you got to get up and you had to bake it. If you wanted fresh fish, you had to go out to the river or the creek or the lake or wherever, and you had to catch the fish. If you wanted fresh eggs, you had to get the chicken, go to the chicken coop, you had to get the eggs, and you had to bring them in, and you had to fix it. What this speaks of is, if you wanted fresh bread, fresh fish, or fresh eggs, you had to do something about it every day. Amen. You couldn't catch a fish and leave it out in the sun for three days and then try to eat it afterwards. What the point of this is, is what I want to tell you is, God is saying to us, I've got fresh bread for you every day in my word. I've got fresh fish, a fresh move of the spirit every single day. I've got fresh grace for you and eggs. I've got everything you need every day. If you'll just come to me, I'll give you fresh grace. I'll give you fresh presence. I'll give you fresh faith. I'll give you fresh hope. I'll give you fresh whatever you need, but you've got Gotta go to God. Somebody say amen. 
Nobody sits in their recliner and saying, I really hope the chicken comes and drops an egg on my lap. Nobody says, God, I want a fish. I hope that the fish jumps on land and somehow makes his flops his way into my frying pan. Whoa, look at there. God has provided. I have a fish. Nowhere does anybody expect the grain to somehow make itself and turn into bread. No, the point of what God is saying is there is something that we have to do, and that is we have to pursue God. We have to get in his prayer closet. We have to seek his face. When was the last time you fasted? Even when a man of God like me says God is calling us to fast a day a week, push the plate back. God wants us to go deeper. When was the last time you fasted? When was the last time you opened your Bible and just said, God, just speak? I don't want to just read it because I'm reading it every day. I want to hear what you say. When was the last time you got in a praise session and said, man, I just got lost in the presence of God. I don't even want to really say a prayer right now. I just want to worship you. When was the last time you did just what we sang in that second song? I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. King of glory, fill this place. Not this place. This place. Man, when was the last time we were hungry enough that we said, man, I don't want the TV on tonight. I got to get in the presence of God. When was the last time we said, man, I got to start fasting again? When was the last time you remember fasting? When was the last time you just cried out to God and said, God, I got to have you? When was the last time me as a pastor said, I don't, I don't want another sermon. I want you to speak to me. I don't want a word for somebody else. I want me to hear a word from you. When was the last time you got so lost in the prayer closet that you spoke in tongues and you just prayed in the spirit and, and, and this time went by and you, you couldn't stop praying in tongues? This is not to make anybody feel bad. This is God saying, where is your relationship with him? Well, pastor, I'm not sinning and I'm coming to church. No, no, no. When's the last time you dove in with him? See, I can be around Holly all day, but that doesn't mean that we're intimate all day. And I don't mean that in a sexual term. That doesn't mean that we're relating, that we're conversing, that we're having communion, that we're in-depth talking. When was the last time you and your spouse turned the phones off and just talked? When was the last time you tried to have a nice conversation with your loved one and they're listening but they're scrolling on the phone? We do that with God. God help us. He's coming back for a church that's prepared. How is your relationship with God? I mean, are you praying as much as you used to? Is your prayer life non-existent? Do you casually approach your time with God as a take-it-or-leave-it cavalier attitude? Well, if I pray today, great. If not, well, that's okay, too. Are you taking your time in the Word of God and worship seriously? 
Do you take God's call to prayer? His call to worship? His call to Bible study? His call to church attendance as a suggestion? God is calling us. He's calling us deeper into the things of God. What will you do if America suffers real persecution? Someone once asked Emily Post. Now, if you're 35 and under, you have no idea who I'm talking about. Emily Post used to be a newspaper writer. You could send a question in. She'd answer your question in the newspaper. How many remember that? If you're 35 and under, you probably don't know what a newspaper is. It was a paper that had printed words on it they would deliver to your house. They even had boys on bicycles, and they would take the paper, and they'd throw it in the front yard. Yeah. You'd go out, you'd get the paper, you'd read the news. I know if you're 30 and under, you have no idea one time you think, why would they do that? We got the internet. Because back in those days, there was no internet. You read a newspaper. Well, they asked Emily Post, what is the correct procedure when one is invited to the White House and has a previous engagement? She answered, an invitation to lunch or to dine at the White House is a command, not a request, and automatically cancels every other engagement. You're not being asked to the White House. You're being told by the president, get to the White House. You know what? When God says, come to the prayer closet, he's not giving a request or a good suggestion. It is a command. Watch this. That throws every other engagement out the window and says, he is the priority. Are we still glad we came to church today? The, church, the return of Jesus demands that we have prepared to shine in the midnight hour. The darker the night, the brighter the light. Oh, pastor, don't you see how bad the world is getting? Yes, I do, but guess what? The light can shine that much brighter. The stars are the brightest on the darkest of nights. Somebody say amen. The second is that midnight is the dawning of a new day. 2 Peter 3.8, I know I said this, just let me hit it for just a second. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. Well, Jesus was raised on the third day at dark, just as it was beginning the dawn of light, and he was raised from the dead. Here on the, on the parable of the virgins, it was midnight. Midnight's the starting of a new day. I think what God is trying to tell us is, we may not know the exact day or the hour, but we can be sure that we're in the season of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. No doubt about it. John 14, 3, Jesus said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So I have, I have a statement and a question. Are you ready? Jesus has been preparing that place for 2,000 years. Can you imagine how awesome that's going to be? I mean, that's the greatest building program of, of all time. For 2,000 years, he's been preparing a place for his bride. I have a question. Don't you think it's time for us to prepare for that place? It's time to prepare through the confession of our sins. It's time to prepare through the reading of the word, through repentance, through getting ready for the rapture. It should be our daily concern. We should take it seriously. We should ask ourselves daily, am I ready for the rapture? We should ask other people, are you ready for the rapture? 
this is a serious matter. When it comes to being on alert and, uh, and, and on ready at the moment of a job just like that, there's no greater example I can come up with than the old Pony Express. The old Pony Express was a famous mail service between St. Joseph, Missouri and California. And the way that that worked was that the stations were established every 10 to 15 miles. So a rider would shout as he approached the station, giving the station master very short notice that he needed to be outside waiting with a fresh mount. That's how the Pony Express worked. Hey, I'm coming, and he better have a fresh horse ready to go the next 10 or 15 miles. I want to tell you that's what God is saying to us. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you ready to fly in that sky right now? Because I want to point out a few things before I close. Because the five wise virgins were prepared. They went in with their groom. So check this out. Their entrance was immediate. That means they were ready and they went in. There was no waiting. When the groom showed up, they went with him. And their entrance was not just immediate. Their entrance was intimate. They went in with him. Everybody say with him. So they went in immediately. They went in intimately with him. Their entrance was joyous. They went in with him to the marriage. Marriage is a joyous occasion. So it was a joyful thing. Their entrance was uh, personal. They went in. Each individual, each person. Are you seeing this? It was immediate. It was intimate. It was joyful. It was personal. Somebody shout amen. And here's the last greatest one. Their entrance was eternal. The door was shut. And it shut them in forever. And when God comes to rapture us, he's shutting us in with him in heaven forever and ever and ever. And somebody shout amen to that. Conversely, the five foolish virgins were unprepared. Now listen, they had the name and the appearance of virgins. They had the lamps and the torches of true bridesmaids. They were companions of the true virgins. They acted like the true virgins. And they woke up at the sound of the cry just like true virgins. Everything was the same. However... They had external lamps and no internal oil. They had not provided for the waiting or the late coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were not ready. There are many in the church in general that have put on their Sunday best. They've attended churches all across the world today, America and other countries. They will smile. They will act as if they are the real deal. They'll talk a good talk, but they don't walk the walk. So I begin to think, what is the difference between a virgin, uh, the wise virgin and the foolish virgin? I think the point of this parable is to be ready and be prepared. As I, I really believe that in my studies of it. But how would we diagnose a foolish virgin? How would we diagnose someone who has the appearance and looks like they have the goods, but they're really not, and no one will really know until the trumpet sounds? That come up with a few things. You could be a foolish virgin if you attend church, but you can't find your Bible the rest of the month. If your only prayer time is a five-second bless-the-meal and ten-second night-night prayer, you might be a foolish virgin. If you speak more curse words than you do praise words in a day, you might be a foolish virgin. If you consume more TV shows,
be a foolish virgin. I'm going to say that again because those on live stream didn't hear that. If you consume more TV shows than you do Bible verses every week, you might be a foolish virgin. If you gossip and slander more people on social media than you do pray for people, you, you could be a foolish virgin. If you participate in more activities in this world than you do church services, you could be a foolish virgin. Is it all right just to throw some stuff out? So what about this exclusion? It was universal to everyone who was not ready. It was complete. The door was shut. It was just. They were not ready, and they slighted the king. It was final. The door was shut, and they got left out. The door was shut. This was the custom at the time. When the groom shut the door, it let all the wedding party get locked in and all the external intruders get left out. Listen, this is one wedding party you can't crash. You can crash wedding parties in the natural, but you can't crash this wedding party. If you're not ready, you're not getting in. Now, you can repent and maybe get right later, of course. There will be people saved in the tribulation. But why go through all that? Why not just get saved right now? Here's what they said. They said, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, I don't know you. So that triggered my mind back to Matthew 7, 21, 23. Look what it says on the overhead on the screen. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In other words, God, we were in church and we did things that Christians do and we even did them in your name and like it happened. But God said, but you've been practicing a lifestyle contrary to my word. I'm sorry, I don't know you. So I began, when I read this passage, I, I prayed for a long time, years ago. And I said, God, what is the deal with this? How do I know that I know you? I want to know you. I, I don't want to hear depart from me. And so one day the Lord led me to 1 John 2, 3. And it's the same word know as in Matthew 7. He says, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. How do we know if we know God? Do we live according to what the Bible says? Someone say amen. So the rapture church will be pure. The rapture church will be prepared. And I believe the rapture church will be powerful. Somebody say amen. You will hear a million different explanations as to what the oil is. Well, it's a life not really given to God. It's this, it's that. I don't really know what it is. Nobody really does because I don't think that's the point of the parable. But I will say that Power has to have something to do with it. What do I mean by that? Jesus will not return for less than he left. Look at 1 Timothy 3, 5. It says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, of, and from such people turn away. I think God has given us the power through the Holy Spirit we need in order to be pure and in order to be prepared. Someone say amen. Pastor, how do I get pure and how do I get prepared? I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Somebody say amen. Luke 24, 49 says it this way. Behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, and you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. That means just like this shirt 
has covered my body. Just the same way we are endued, we're clothed with power from on high. That dunamis power of God. Acts 1, 4-5. Gathering them together, he commanded them to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for uh, the Father, for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And I believe because we have access to the power of God, we are not an anemic church, we are not a pitiful church, we don't have to be unable, we don't have to be powerless, we don't have to be blind, we don't have to be uh, any of these things. We can be empowered for the last day ministry. He can help us to be pure. He can help us to be prepared. He can fill us with the grace of his Holy Spirit. And God can help us walk the walk. Somebody say amen. I believe we're going to be empowered for a last day ministry. We don't have to take the mindset that we'll just barely squeak by. We don't have to, well, I'm going to get in by the hair on my chinny, chin, chin. We can be filled with power from on high and live a victorious life. We're a people filled with prayer. We're a people given authority. We're a people seated in right hand of God in heavenly places. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. What am I saying? We have access to power. Are we going to the prayer closet to receive it? Are we getting in the word to receive it? Are we praising God in a way to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? To be filled fresh and new every single day. Are you ready for the rapture? Are you pure? Are you prepared?